Hello and welcome to Balance City with your host, me, moi, Danielle. We're going to talk all about the juicy stuff, about relationships, about business, about mental health, all the things when it comes to the journey of life, right? And what you'll see along the way is no one's perfect. We all have our shit, (laughs) to be frankly honest. And I am so thankful that you're here to be on this journey with me. And I'm going to have some epic guests sharing their story. And I just cannot wait to get this started. So let's go. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. I am so excited that you guys are here. And today I have a truly inspiring man here with me. Um, His story is like so heartfelt. I can't wait to share him with you all. His name is Aaron and Aaron, I'm going to pass you the mic and kind of give a brief intro of yourself and then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. Thank you so much for for having me. I guess quick intro on myself. My name is Aaron Golub. I'm legally blind. I have no vision in my right eye, very limited in my left. Played football at Tulane University, becoming the first legally blind Division I athlete to play in a game. I was named a team captain and went on to become an NFL free agent. And now I'm an entrepreneur and a speaker. I love that. I love that. And let's kind of get into finding out that you were, you know, legally blind and getting into this football. Like, how did you how'd you make that work? Yeah, I mean, so I was born legally blind. So it's not mm-hmm. not really something I found out. I, right. I grew up my entire life with it. But, you know, I played every sport in the book growing up, baseball, baseball, basketball, soccer, lacrosse, tried, tried everything and nothing really stuck. Nothing was the best fit. Always loved watching football, but knew I couldn't you know, be a quarterback or receiver. And so I had to find what could you know work for me and, and found the positions that I would be able to play. I wasn't very good at it in the beginning. I wasn't the most athletic. I was you know, pretty bad, but it was about figuring out the best fit. And in the beginning, it was about learning and being a part of the team and eventually you know, making that transition. How did, so how did you kind of like train yourself to, you know? Yeah. So sophomore year of high school, I switched positions. I found long snapping. And for those of you, you know, listening who don't know what long snapping is, I was the person on punts and field goals who would throw the ball between my legs to the punter holder and then block the person in front of me. And I realized if I got good enough at this unique niche position, I might have an opportunity to play at a very high level. And so from then on out, it was, I woke up at 5 a.m. every day, went and practiced long snapping, went to school, went to practice with the team, lifted weights every single evening and you know, did that for the next several years to you know, eventually be ranked one of the top high school long, long snappers in the nation and you know, get an opportunity to play at a Division One school. Wow, that's, that's, that's incredible. And when, when you know, because with football, there's a, you know, you have a team and it's like when you, when you work with a team, they have to work together. So how was that dealing with kind of a team atmosphere and what you had? Like, how did you kind of make that work as well? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it, it's kind of a combination for what I was doing for a team and an individual aspect. Mm. And so the team aspect, you know, team sports are amazing. I love them. There's so many life lessons. There's so much camaraderie. There's so much to be learned from them. And, you know, because of my teammates support and help and, you know, uh, guidance, I was able to push myself and, and play at the level that I did. But at the same time, being a long snapper is very different than being quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, you have to work with the team, with the kicker, with the punter and the holder. But most of the time when I went out and practiced, I was practicing by myself. You know, I was snapping to, you know, a friend or I was snapping to my dad or I was snapping to a pole or a net or something like that uh, to, to practice my form and to get better. 
And that's, that was a lot of the individual work and doing that at 5am every day when no one else was around or, or putting in that time and effort because you know, yes, you know, I need to be on the same page with my punter and my holder and my, my kicker, but I also had to make sure that I was delivering the best possible snaps. And, and that was a lot of individual work as well. Was there any moments that you like that you felt like you couldn't do it anymore? Like you, you know, you found your, you found where you, where you landed, like you had some success with it, but was there a moment where you said, I can't do this anymore. This is getting too difficult for me. So, you know, freshman year at Tulane, I was on the team, didn't play at all though. You know, didn't, didn't start any games or anything. Um, was a backup sophomore year. I played for the first time, you know, in October against university of central Florida, we had gone three and nine though, my freshman and sophomore year. And so at the end of my sophomore season, my head coach got fired. And I was put in this place of, you know, uncertainty because the new head coach that was coming in, you know, I had contacted in high school, every single college coach in the country and every single one of them either didn't get back to me or said no. And when I say I contacted them, I, I literally cold emailed every single college coach in the country like 10 times until they didn't, until they responded or didn't. I cold called every single college in the country. I showed up on a handful of campuses and just tried to talk to coaches. Like I, I contacted every coach. And so I didn't know if they were going to give me a shot because you know, clearly they were in a different division at school. They got my information and probably just didn't get back to me. And I was nervous and I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I thought about quitting for a time. And eventually I ended up just going into his office and sitting down together and we had a conversation and, you know, he was obviously unsure as well, but not because he, he was that worried. He just hadn't worked with anyone like me in the past. And we kind of came to an agreement, like, let's just try spring ball and see what happens. And, you know, we'll go from there. And, we never had that discussion again. Two years later, I was named a team captain during my senior year. That's incredible. And I feel like that's like the power of resilience and not giving up, right? You kept calling, you kept, you knew you had this urge of, of doing it. So you kept going until they said yes. Um, because, you know, that, that's part of life where like, you know, you'll get that first no and you'll just, you'll just fall back. But you, that was the power of resilience that you had. So I want to honor you in that for sure. That was incredible. Um, so now, how did you get into, you know, being an NFL free agent? Like, how did that all come about? Yeah. So end of my senior year, I didn't want to stop playing. I wanted to try and you know make an NFL team and keep going. So during the spring for a, a time period, I, I went out and trained in California and San Diego uh, with, with some NFL kickers, punters and log snappers and, and division one guys trying to make the league as well. And, you know, that was an amazing experience. Came back, did my pro day, you know, I ended up talking to a few teams and, you know, seeing if I could make one. I didn't end up getting a roster spot. It's, you know, for, for long snappers in the NFL, there's 32 teams and 32 long snappers. There's no backups. And so if, if a guy doesn't get hurt or screw up, he's there for 15 years, which is incredible for, you know, the people who make it in because it's insane job security, but it's very hard to break into. And, you know, I had other interests at the time anyways. And so I made a pivot into you know, other areas of life and, and business. And, you know, that's where I am now. So like, what does that exactly entail? I know that, you know, if, if people don't, I mean, people who don't watch football and, and all that. So what is, what is the kind of give kind of a brief synopsis of what, what that entails being, being kind of an agent and like how that works. So as a free agent, I you know did my pro day, which is essentially a tryout in front of, you know, all of the NFL teams. And then after that, it was, you know, talking to them and keeping up some communication and, and doing what I could to, you know, try and make a roster. And eventually I didn't get a spot or an opportunity and that's all right. And, you know, pivoted from there. Love it. Love it. And so now 
you're going into public speaking as well. You do public speaking, right? Yeah. So I'm, you know, I, I build businesses and I, you know, do keynote speeches at conferences, companies, professional sports teams all around the world. So like, how does that, how does that work? Do you, like, when did you, how did that all come about as well? You know, I'd always done speaking engagements, you know, when I was asked to in college or, or, or things like that. I was on Good Morning America at one point because of my story. And, and whenever my coaches would ask me to you know, speak at an event for the team or something, I'd be more than happy to do it. But I never looked at it from a business perspective back then. And when I graduated college, you know, after after a little bit, I realized that a I, I liked the world of entrepreneurship and I wanted to figure out a way to you know, go into that and start businesses. And so, and the first business that I really started was myself as a speaker, mm-hmm. and it was figuring out how do I get paid to speak, and, and you know, how do I get in front of you know an audience? How do I you know grow as a speaker? How do I build my brand and my name even more from what it was back then, and you know, make a, a an opportunity and a business out of it. So I kind of want to talk about that whole aspect of speaking and being a public speaker, because I feel like that's like one of the biggest fears a lot of people have, right? So what kind of, what, what kind of tips would you be able to give to somebody that wants to get into that, but has that fear? Yeah, you know, it, it is definitely one of the biggest fears that most people have. Um, you know, thankfully, it's something I've never been afraid of and I love doing. It's, it's you know, very easy for me. But that's not the case for most people. And so I think understanding that most people are afraid of something because they think that they're being judged or other people are thinking of them. And yeah, look, while you're talking, then you know, other people probably are you know paying attention and you know thinking about you. But wait an hour after your talk and no one's thinking about you anymore. You know, they're they're off to whatever's on their phone, whatever they're you know talking about with their friends. It, it you know, it's it's they forget about it really quick. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be that worried about that. Like, yes, it, it is challenging to get over that in the beginning, but you just have to take that leap of faith. Like the, the issue there is people are too afraid to jump into that or, or to any area of, of business or, or of life. And when you can get yourself to build up that confidence and, and get rid of that anxiety and just take that action to go forward and do it, then it becomes a lot easier as you do it. And I'm not saying that the first time and the second time is going to be easy. It's probably going to be hard, but by the you know 13th, it's not going to be challenging for you. I hope that like my listeners really kind of, you know, digest what you just said, because I think that was truly, truly valuable for sure. And one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was, was there, um, you had mentioned earlier that you, you know, you kept, you know, calling all these coaches to, to see who would, you know, who would take you, whatever, but were there any moments that you felt like this is it like this is this is this is this is this is this is my final straw of wanting to give up yeah no you know it's it's something where it was a goal and a dream that i had and i understood that it would take a lot of persistence and a lot of you know effort on on my end you know success doesn't happen overnight it takes a long time and and that's where most people go wrong they try mm-hmm. something for a week or for a month or for even a year and don't see results and they give up. You know, that's the whole reason that most businesses fail in a year or most businesses fail in six months. Like the, the amount of people over the past couple of years that I've seen start a business because of COVID and then stop three months later because it was too hard or they didn't want to figure out the problems is absolutely ridiculous. And to be honest, when that happens, I, I look, I'm sympathetic and I'm, I'm empathetic with people 
because I, I want to help them. And if they don't understand something, I'm, I'm more than happy to help you out. I love entrepreneurship. It's, it's something fun. And you know, I'm by no means, I was by no means a natural business person. It's something I've had to learn over time. But when you give up after three months, you can't expect to see success. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes hard work and dedication. And no matter what that is, I, I think most people just give up too soon. And, and when you keep going, you'll eventually see the results from your actions. Mm, it's, it's so true. So true. And so you're doing all these things. What is, what's, what's the next step? Then? Like, I, I, I'm sure that you're not, you're not done. You're not finished. So what's the next step for Aaron? Yeah. So, you know, just making an impact every single day and, and doing what I can to help others is the biggest thing. Right now we're in the process of, you know, building, you know, my company right now called Initiate Connections. And, and what that company does is I realized that speaking for myself is fun. It's it's awesome, but it's also not scalable to the degree I want to scale it. Because if I want to make the money that I want to make with it, I would have to travel 365 days a year. And I have no interest in doing that. Hmm. And so in order to do that, we are doing, you know, uh, we are creating this company to put on, you know, workshops, consulting, and speaking engagements. And so I will be doing, you know, a lot of them. But we are going to be bringing in other, you know, just a very small group in the beginning of professional athletes, Fortune 500 executives, very high level entrepreneurs who can fit into the basically core topics that we're focusing on. And so we might sign a workshop agreement with a company, and we go in for a day and bring in you know, me and five other speakers. And so instead of charging them, you know, a small amount for a keynote, we charge them a large amount, we give some to the, you know, other speakers that come and are trained on the topics that we speak on, and we work with, and then we keep obviously the difference in the margin. And that's the same with, you know, the consulting might consult on leadership development or another topic that we work with, and, you know, might be a six month agreement. And there might be a virtual event where we bring in someone who's trained and, and works on one of the areas that we like, who's, you know, an NFL player who comes in and does a session. And then we might bring in someone who's an executive who does a session. And then I do a session. So it's not me doing everything and I can still make money. My team can make money while, you know, other people are doing some of the work as well. It's a click. It's like a collaborative thing, basically. Exactly. And yeah. by doing that, we're able to, you know, make more impact and help more people because, you know, I was actually having this discussion with a business partner of mine. Like I travel a lot and, and, you know, sometimes it, it takes a toll. It, it really does. And so, Having this will allow me to say, hey, you know, we have this engagement across the country in, in a month, but I'm flying all over the week before. I don't think that I'm going to provide the most value. We need to slot in someone else from our team because it's not fair to the people at the company for me to be attending if I'm exhausted and I'm not my full self. And, and so that's one of the things that I'm really excited about. That's so, you know, that is, that is really super exciting for sure. And, you know, we're going through this stage of, you know, it's pandemic. We're still kind of in it. We're still, you know, we're, we're, you know, things are open, whatnot. So was there any moment within your business that uh, the pandemic kind of hit it or were you able to, were you able to kind of still be you in know, a trajectory? In 2019 was when I really started speaking, you know, for money, you know, actually mm -hmm. figuring it out and, and doing that. And when COVID hit, you know, yes, it slowed down certain aspects of that, but most people, especially in the speaking industry, it blew up their entire business. And I instead took it as like, how can I transition? And so between then and now, I've done eight TED Talks because a lot of them were virtual. I set up tons of cold outreach campaigns and, and got really good at lead, lead generation and, and you know sales in, in that aspect because I learned how to 
you know, send cold outreach at scale and, and, you know, trained myself on that. And because of being able to do that, I've, you know, done obviously a lot of in-person, but a lot of virtual talks over the past two years. And that's been huge for me because when everything shut down and no one was booking, you know, in-person things, I was able to create a business that could do things virtually. And, and it's going to be sustained throughout because with everything we're doing with the company, a lot of these, you know, companies are still going to want some of the sessions or some keynotes or some of the consulting, whatever it may be virtually instead of in person. Well, that's really good to hear, especially with like, and you know, you, you've built kind of a situation where you can be successful even during the time of inflation and all that type of stuff that's going on. So that's super exciting. And you had mentioned the TEDx stock. Okay. So, I mean, I've, I've heard a ton of different people speak on TEDx. Like, what is that preparation like? I mean, it's, it's not much different than just a typical keynote. It's just a lot shorter. So okay. from my perspective, it's, it's a lot easier. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'd much <laughs> rather. It's, it's easier for me to talk for 10, 15 minutes than to prep a 60-minute keynote. So from, from my side of things, it's, it's a lot easier. However, I don't want to say it's easy because someone who hasn't spoken before is doing it for the first time. It's certainly not easy. Don't get me wrong. And getting your 10 minutes, or your 15 minute talk ready and, and prep to, you know, have an impact and, and leave a mark on others is definitely challenging. And, and so you have to work at that every single day. And I feel like, that, I mean, to have that at, on one of the pieces on your resume is huge because I know that a lot of people strive for that. So that's an accomplishment. So, and the other thing I want to say there is, yeah, it's, it definitely is an accomplishment, but it's also a lot easier to get to do a TED Talk than most people think. And, and it's because the way most people look at it, and, and this is exactly how I learned all of them, is most people think that you go apply to an application, they get back to you and you do that, you know, if you get chosen, you do it. And that's just not how doing a TED Talk works. That's not how applying to a job works. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's not how life works. What you need to do is take the extra legwork. You find, you go figure out the, you know, 50 TED Talks going on between now and the end of the year in the country. And you say, hey, okay, I'm not going to apply to any any applications. Instead, I'm going to go figure out who's running them. I'm going to find their emails. I'm going to find their LinkedIn. I'm going to find their Facebooks. I'm going to find their Instagrams. I'm going to send them a message on four different platforms. And some of them will get back to you. And they might ask you to apply, but guess what? They already have a face to the name, so your chances are better. Some of them might just hop on a call with you or, or book you. Like it's... It, it, it's the same with a job. If you apply to, you know, a big bank out of college and you expect to get a job just by putting your application in, your chances are slim because your your resume is in the stack of 5,000 others. But if you find the right person at the company and you do the outreach and you get connected to them, your chances increase dramatically. So true. And I feel like, and I, I think that was super, probably super, super helpful to the listeners for sure that are trying to get into it and the thought process behind it. Um, one last question as we kind of round out that I have for you is what kind of legacy do you want to leave? Yeah. You know, a lot of different areas. My, my biggest thing is I want to impact and, and help other people on a daily basis. You know, I guess I want to build extremely successful businesses and you know, create a lot of wealth for myself and for my family, but that's not my number one goal. My number one goal is to help and impact new people every single day. And mm-hmm. I know that through doing that and through being an entrepreneur and, and building the businesses that I'm doing the right way, that the wealth and, and the assets will come from it. Mm, I love that. And with all the accomplishments that you have made throughout your career, have you ever kind of looked at your, like, 
like just took a moment, right? And said, wow, like Aaron, like you, you, you did it. You like these little celebrations. Did you ever take those moments to celebrate yourself? Because you've accomplished so much. Cause, and we're so quick to go to that next goal. Did, have you taken those moments? Yes, to a degree. You know, mm-hmm. when, you, when you accomplish something, it, it helps your motivation. It helps who you are to take a second and, and soak in what's happened and realize that for a minute or five minutes or 15 minutes or, or whatever that takes. But at the end of the day, I have a long way to go. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not a top business person in, in, in the world right now. I'm a top, not a top entrepreneur, not a top speaker yet. Like, the day that my name is in the same sentence as Tony Robbins and Gary Vee and those individuals, then I'll step back and, and think that way. And, and yes, I'm thankful for the wins I have every day. Every time I book a, a speech, I take a minute to think about how grateful I am for that and how far I've come. Or when I played for the first time in college, I take that minute. I took that minute to you know think about how far I've come and, and what I've accomplished. But in the short term, yes, I, is the answer. But in the long term, like I, I have a long way to go, and I'm not going to be satisfied until you know, those goals are actually met. Well, I mean, I think you're in the trajectory already to get to that goal. So you're, you're going to get there. I, I have faith <laughs> on for sure. For sure. Thank and you. No, a hundred percent. So I know that my listeners are going to want to like, you know, flood your DMs, want to connect with you, definitely share your socials and anything that you have coming up. Definitely want to amplify that. Yeah. So, you know, feel free to, you know, find me on social media at Aaron J. Golub or my website, Aaron or AaronGolub.com and my email is Aaron at AaronGolub.com. Happy to, you know, help out in any way. If you send me a message, I'll get back to you. It might not be in the first, you know, few hours, but I will get back to you. I always do. Anyone who reaches out, I'm, I'm more than happy to. And, and thank you again for having me on. Of course. Of course. Is there anything that you have coming up that you want the listeners to know about or? You know, in, in the next few weeks, we will be um, announcing more about the company Initiate Connections. I, you know, uh, I've, I've put some stuff uh, out about it, but, you know, the website and everything will be live probably end of this month. And, and I'll probably, I'll be posting about that, you know, everywhere. So feel free to take a look at that when it's, when it's up and running and, and look forward to connecting with you. Well, Aaron, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're super busy and sitting down with me and chatting and, I know my listeners benefited from your story, from your inspiration, your tips that you just gave. So it's been an honor and a privilege. Yeah, thank you again. We'll talk soon.